0: 28, 2, 23. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm David Rothkoff, your host, coming to you from stormy Washington, D.C. It's always stormy in Washington, but today the weather is stormy. And we haven't talked about politics per se in a while, and I thought this would be a good day to to do it. And so we've got two great people to discuss the state of U.S. politics with. Um, The first uh, is our friend Jen Rubin of The Washington Post, also the host of a great new podcast, if you listen to two podcasts a week. Please also listen to that one. If you only listen to one per week, well, you're lucky Jen's here. Uh, But uh, that's uh, uh, Jen Rubin's Green Room. Welcome, Jen
1: thanks it's nice to be here nice to be uh you know it's like a busman's holiday now when i'm on other podcasts i kind of notice different things oh that's how you do it oh that was good i'll have to comment okay, well, you know, copy there that won't
0: be too much of that here i i'm sure uh but in any event we are also joined by our friend uh political uh savant uh the man who called it right and the purveyor of hopium himself simon rosenberg how are you doing simon
2: I'm well. It's good to be here with both of you.
0: Uh, it's good to have you here. So, you know, it does seem a little bit perverse that it's July. Uh, the election is not until next November. Um, but when you sort of back time it, in like six months, five months, there's, we're going to start primaries for the Republicans. And next month, we're going to start debates for the Republicans. Uh, so this is upon us. Um, And so I thought it warranted a look uh, at what do we know now that that we didn't know six months ago um, and uh, insights uh, in that general zip code. But let me start with that one, Jen. What do we know now that we didn't know six months ago?
1: Well, six months ago, I knew that Ron DeSantis was an awful candidate, but now everyone else knows. So I think the, the notion that this guy who's a thug, a bully, lacking charisma, lacking a personality, has an obsession with these niche issues was going to be the solution to Donald Trump always seemed kind of daft to me. And, uh, there seems to be a building consensus that that is the case. I think, um, what we're also seeing is that at least initially, the indictments are not uh, shaking Republicans out of their cult-like trance and have not yet abandoned Donald Trump. However, I think there's still a difference between getting indicted, if you will, for issues that are not central to January 6th and getting indicted um, for January 6th and moreover going to trial and actually having these things become more real. So I don't entirely give up hope that um, there'll be some realistic uh, fervor which strikes the Republican Party. I'm not optimistic, but it's not inconceivable. Um, and I think the other thing we know that we didn't perhaps know six months ago, or maybe we knew it nine, 10 months ago. Was that the Democrats have going for them? I think what is the most powerful issue in, uh, maybe half a century, which is abortion, that that issue is going to continue to animate. It has animated. It made a difference in the midterms. It made a difference in Wisconsin. Um, I, uh, was among those who said this was going to be earth-shaking. A lot of the pundits, who were generally men and generally don't understand the emotional content of this issue, kind of poo-pooed it. But I think that is going to continue to ripple through the electorate and going to perhaps make for a, somewhat of a realignment in American
0: politics. Interesting, Simon. What do what what you, you? I mean, you're a savant, so <laughs> you probably know how the whole thing's going to <laughs> turn. But what do what you doing? Jen just
2: covered a lot of really important ground, so I'll just add a couple things. One is we know, I think Joe Biden's case for re-election has gotten much stronger this year. Um, the economy is doing very well. Putin is stumbling in Ukraine. The investments are beginning to become real and material, and that strategy looks like it's paid off. We're seeing a decline of people coming to the border. We've seen murder rates come way down. I just think that the The case that he has for reelection has gotten much, much stronger in recent months. The second thing, building off what Jen said, is that I think the um, any hope that the Republican Party would somehow find a lane that wasn't crazy is also just not available to them anymore. I mean, their two leading candidates are, you know, in an incredible competition for being among the worst politicians in American history and truly awful people. It's just it's incredible what's happened to the Republican Party and any way that they have of kind of putting lipstick on that pig and presenting themselves as a reasonable party next year, it's just not there. And the opposition and um, and fear of MAGA has been the, the driving force of the last three elections. It looks like it's going to be the driving force of this election, too, whether it's DeSantis or Trump. And then finally, consistent with some, what Jen talked about in terms of abortion, is that you know, we've had really good elections this year. I mean, this this is part of what the savant, part of the reason that Tom Bonyer and I got it right in 2022 is that we were looking at data outside of just polling. We were looking at actual elections and voter registration and things that were more connected to voting than having opinions. Well, those measures this cycle are all going in the right direction for us. And we're taking, we're not just doing well, but we're winning in places that are in core Republican areas. Colorado Springs, Jacksonville, Florida, these are Republican cities. They've been Republican for decades. We took stuff away from them. We took away the Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin, and so we've seen. I think three things, David. One is Biden's case for re has gotten stronger. Their case that there are reasonable parties gotten much weaker, and we've seen continued very strong performance on the ground for Democrats. All very encouraging stuff for us as we head into next year.
1: And to Simon's last point. We are also now seeing that there will be more abortion items on the ballot as well. And so that's going to help drive the electorate out. And when you talk about a shift... It wasn't just that Democrats won that swing seat in the Wisconsin Supreme Court election. It was that they won it by 10 points. There are never elections that are won by 10 points in Wisconsin. This is as close as you get to a 50 50 state. If you win by 2000 votes, it's a landslide. So it shows you the magnitude, the intensity of the interest. You know, for decades now, Republicans have voted on the Supreme Court. You could never get Democrats to do it. And now in a way, um, the very radical, frankly, and I would say illegitimate Supreme Court has handed that issue back to the Democrats on abortion. But also I think on the very nature of who do you want running the country? A bunch of guys who get whined and dined by billionaires and think constitutional law was set in the 19th century, the guys who never met a gun they weren't willing to sell to a six-year-old, or do you want a modern, pluralistic America? And that's kind of the frame of reference you have here. Yeah, I
0: Simon, mean, let me pick up on that because we've had in the past couple of weeks three more rather extreme decisions um, from the Supreme Court on affirmative action on student loans and uh, this bizarre decision on uh, uh, the ability uh, to withhold service to LGBTQ people um, or or couples, uh, which were based, you know, I mean, Jen typically is, is being, you know, overly nice to the Republicans <laughs> and saying that this is based on the 19th century. Some of it's based on the 17th century. Some of it's based on the 14th century. And some of it's based on... You know, legal systems in outer space, someplace, because it's completely um, made up. I've noticed, you know, on even on MSNBC and some dem friendly platforms, there are people going, Well, these decisions, it's not like abortion. But if you were paying a student loan and then you're going to pay more, this is going to be on your mind. If you are part of the LGBTQ community and next year the Supreme Court is gunning for your right to get married. Um, it's going to be on your mind. Uh, and uh, if you're applying to college, you have kids applying to college, um, affirmative action may be on your mind. And, you know, there are other things in the hopper. You know, it's not, not unlikely that they'll be going after uh, things like birth control. Do you think that the Supreme Court is going to be on the ballot?
2: I think it just reinforces this basic sense that, you know, that a majority of the country has, that they've just gone too far. I mean, that the Republican Party can't be trusted with power, that they've been overtaken by extremism and extremists in every possible way. And that that it, that sense and that sensibility is already in the electorate, right? It's been driving the vote now since 2018. And so every time the Republicans confirm the people's sense that they this, you know, because the whole for them to be successful next year, there has to be a sense of with many voters who had voted against them potentially in three consecutive elections, that, hey, maybe they moderated a little bit. Maybe they've, you know, gotten religion. They sort of figured it out. Every time something like this happens, they get further and further away from the electorate. They push more and more people to a place that, the you know, their vote is going to be unavailable to them. And so I think that everything that's happened to the Republican Party this year has pushed them further and further away from the electorate they need to win. Remember, in 2022, we improved our standing in most of the battleground states. We did better in Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, um, and New Hampshire and Pennsylvania than we did in 2020. So the battleground got harder for the Republicans, and then this year, they're doing—they're giving all of this ammunition to us to make the case that these guys just can't be trusted with power. It's why every day in every way, I would much rather be us than them. I mean, I think that, you know, we have the opportunity here. And what I believe, and David, we've talked about this before, that Democrats need to not just be planning to try to win the election, but to get to 55 percent, to have it be a blowout election. It has to be seen as a clear repudiation of this radical politics. And we've got to plan the way campaigns work, is you've got to plan for that. You've got to try to expand the electorate. Increase the youth vote, win back some of the Hispanic vote, use the issue of abortion to go deeper and deeper into the Republican coalition. Continue to work and collaborate with Never MAGA, Never Trump, or Republicans and give them a place at our table so that we can bring more and more of them into our into our into a coalition. And I think that if we can do all those things, we can do what we did in Wisconsin. Remember. We got to 56% in Wisconsin. We got to 59% in Colorado last year. 57 in Pennsylvania. 55 in Michigan. 54 in New Hampshire. We're already performing at the upper end of what's possible, in in a tough psych in a tough set of political circumstances. My biggest fear for the Democrats is that we play it safe instead of trying to really go for a big win. Joe Biden went shot the moon, shot for the moon legislatively in 21 and 22. He's got to do it politically in twenty three and
0: twenty four. Yeah, Jen. You know, the, I I I agree with Simon. Simon and I have talked about this before. Um, I think Simon, on a prior podcast, uh, coined the phrase or did not offer it as a phrase, but the idea of fifty five in twenty four. The idea that that's got to be the goal. But it's especially important if we set aside for a moment. We'll come back to it the presidential election and recognize. How tough the senatorial campaign is going to be and how consequential that is going to be if you want to rein in that court, uh, have some oversight, continue to appoint Biden judges if he wins reelection, etc. So what's your what's your view on on that? Is the Senate just, you know, out of reach or can we follow Simon's strategy and actually uh, confound the, the pundits?
1: I think we can hold the Senate. Um, We ran the table in 2022, remember? Everyone said, oh, no, you're going to lose all these seats. And yes, there are very tough seats. There is Ohio. There is Montana. There is Wisconsin. But we also have running in those seats Sherrod Brown, John Tester, um, you know uh, Tammy Baldwin. These are people who know how to win in red or purple states and have long records. And they're going to have a presidential uh, candidate um, at the top of the ticket that they can identify with rather than run from. So I think I'm uh, perhaps more sanguine than I should be about keeping the Senate, what I'm a little stumped about is how we might expand the Senate map, where else we might go. I'm really curious to hear what Simon would say, you know, uh, spend money again in Texas. Um, Somehow I'd rather spend money in Texas than in Florida, I guess. Um, But I don't know where the pickup opportunities um, would be there. I think the House um, has a potential to be a blowout. I think the current House, their behavior is so atrocious. And because House members are more closely tied to the presidential uh, candidate, there's a greater, um, you know, sort of coattail effect there, that the House, if successful in a 55% on the presidential election, the House will be fine. But I'm really curious, Simon, where you think there might be some pickup opportunities or, you know, uh, switches in the in the Senate race?
2: I don't know that we can expand. I mean, we'll keep an eye on Texas. Remember, I mean, Biden got within five points last time. It's going to be hard. Um, but let's, you know, Cruz is deeply unpopular in Texas. He's a bad candidate. He's just a bad guy. And so I I think that's a very different, I think Abbott has always overperformed in Texas in the other elections when Abbott's not on the ballot. Remember, Cruz only won by two and a half points last time, right? So, you know, I I think we can keep an eye on that. I don't think we should rule it out. But I do think the House, I'm very optimistic about the House, and I'm optimistic about the presidential election. And I think that, you know, I think for me, I have this mantra now when I give my talks, which is that Democrats got into such a defensive crouch and we got so down on ourselves that we have to practice and exercise being on offense and playing, you know, and being expansive and expanding our coalition. And I like to say these three simple things. Right. Joe Biden has been a good president. The country is better off and the Democratic Party is strong. I mean, we're the strong party right now. We're unified. We're raising tons of money. We're running really good campaigns. They're an unbelievable historical mess. Right. And we have to, I think, approach this cycle with a very different mindset than we did last time, which is about expansion, growth, power, strength, not defense, fear, uncertainty, doubt. Right. Which is a lot what drove our politics last time. And I think the most important thing we have to do is to defend is to help Joe Biden make his case on the economy. I mean, that. To me, we know from polling that people don't know what Joe Biden's done, and when they're informed about it, it really improves his standing. We've seen this in poll after poll, focus group after focus group. This is clearly understood. Our family has the ability to help him be very loud in the next coming months to tell this story, and it can make an enormous difference in this election. If we can improve his performance on the economy, even by two or three points, David, gen right it could make an enormous difference in this election it's the only thing the republicans have that's still connecting them with voters and if we take that away they've got nothing as they head into 2024
0: yeah especially since uh uh the the biden record is good and the republican record is actually good <laughs> um well let's let's um uh switch over for a moment to the presidential um uh, uh right now. We touched upon it at the beginning. Uh, I believe today, as we're recording this, uh, uh, Jack Smith has, has sought that the trial on the documents case um, begins in December. Now, I don't know whether he will actually achieve that, but it does give us a sense that there will be real significant overlap in perhaps in the early stages of the primaries with with that case, which is very ugly and has some Republicans extremely uncomfortable. Uh, and then, of course, the New York case starts next March. Um, you mentioned earlier, Jen, that you know Trump continues to do well in the polls. I have to admit, I've been in a small group, and by a small group, I mean all alone, in thinking that um, You know, ultimately, this was going to have a take a toll on him. That ultimately, being accused of violating U.S. national security, putting it at risk multiple times in egregious ways, was ultimately going to take a toll, and that there would be Republicans coming after him on that. Also, you know, as we've seen even in the past few days, when he's put into a corner on these things, he goes nuts on Truth Social. I mean, really, like, like you know lock this guy up uh, on on psychiatric grounds and and of course we've got the Fulton County case seemingly likely to come down on his head um, in August and potentially more charges from Jack Smith on the documents case and then on January 6th also. Is it is he really that Teflon coated? Is his base of support really so uh, oblivious to these things, uh, or is it just the you know the construct of the Republican Party that you know there's thirty percent of people who would literally follow him off a cliff, and that's enough to defeat a big field? Um, or or do you see potential cracks in the foundation of of you know the MAGA movement?
1: It was interesting when he was indicted in Florida, you saw a surprisingly large number of Republicans. Um, not only Republicans were actually running against him, but people like Bill Barr, people, um, you know, who had served in Congress who were respected Republicans come out and say, this is serious stuff. This is no joke. Um, you can't condone, um, this kind of, uh, behavior. Now that kind of evaporated because, of course, the attention span of the American people is about five and a half seconds. But when they're presented with that day after day after day, and Americans get to hear that um, tape, you know, we think everyone in America has heard that recording um, where he's joking about having confidential documents. They haven't. Um, the, the very small percentage of the public is that tuned in to um, the extent of his crimes. I think at, certainly in the general electorate. Uh, electorate that's going to make a difference whether it's enough to knock him off in the primary the central problem they have is that the only people so far in the race who are willing to go after him are not really electable in the Republican party chris christie is you know conducting a seminar on how to attack this guy and what to say and how to do it but he is so deeply unpopular in the Republican party he doesn't have an opportunity I think the only combination that I think is remotely feasible is that Christie or others take a toll on him. The trials come out, um, they knock him down a bit, and then someone perhaps who is not in the race right now, like a Brian Kemp um, or a, a Glenn Youngkin, um, not people I would vote for, but at least this side of sanity would, um, quote, be drafted into the race at a later time. I don't think that's inconceivable. Do I think it's likely? No. Is it conceivable? Yes. But this is the problem that the Republicans made for themselves. You know, everyone is saying, well, how do they get themselves out of this? I don't know. Go ask them. They're the ones who got behind a serial criminal. Um, they're the ones who have refused to recognize reality for however many years. So, yeah, they got a real problem. And I don't know how they're going to get it, themselves out of it. Maybe they won't. And maybe... You know, we're think- overthinking this. It may be easier for some of these people just to take a thrashing in one election than to go up against Donald Trump. That's how timorous, that's how cowardly, how spineless these people are. That it's easier for them to say, Okay, well, maybe I'm not up this year as a senator, or maybe a house guy says I'm in a totally gerrymandered seat, so no one's gonna knock me off. So we lose the presidency again. Well, that'll just get rid of Trump and then we'll go forward another
0: year. That's possible, too. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Uh, uh, Simon, uh, it's the same question. I would add that, you know, it's been reported in the past 24 hours, again, as of this recording, that um, uh, Trump's raised $35 million since the indictments. Now, A, I don't know whether to believe it. B, um, he's funneling a lot of that towards his legal defense uh, um, uh, and uh uh, you know, see, um I'm not sure whether that, you know has a has a a consequence when you get to dealing with issues like the ones
2: we're talking about. What do you think? Well, it goes it's I want to go back to and draw on some of the earlier part of the conversation, which is that I think that the Republicans now have this very difficult, situation this cycle where there are going to be two things in the background that will be playing out over the next year and a half that will be like anchors around their on their you know on their feet dragging them down one of them is going to be trump's ongoing malfeasance and legal problems that even if he's not the nominee this stuff is still going to be going on reminding everybody about what's happened to the republican party and the second one that i think has gotten less attention is the extremism of DeSantis' legislative agenda this year, and, the you know, moving to a six-week abortion ban, the permitless carry, the most extreme immigration bill passed in America, potentially in 100 years. that just took effect in the last few days. That we're going to be getting horror stories from Florida playing out over the next year and a half. So even if he's not the nominee, there's still going to be things that Democrats are going to be able to run on based on his, on his awful governorship. And so... I, and then you have the Supreme Court right <laughs> which is in very likelihood next spring, even though they there's a sense in my view I think that they kind of moderated a little bit recognizing the election the backlash on abortion was significant that there's more it's more likely than not that they're going to produce a decision that's going to call, remind everybody right before the election again about how out of control they are. And so there's just going to be a mountain of just terrible terrible news. Coming about Republicans over the next year and a half now, and they have no way of stopping it. It's a, it's a, it's part of the background of the election, and it's why I'm so fundamentally optimistic because I just don't think people are going to go there. I just, I just don't think <clears throat> that this. You know, we've seen it now three consecutive elections in the battleground. We've litigated MAGA, MAGA's lost three consecutive times. People in the battleground have thought through these issues. They're aware of what the who the Republican Party is. And I think their die is cast in many ways. What happens inside the primary, who knows? But my guess is that Trump's going to be the nominee. And I think that what has to worry anyone who doesn't want Trump to be the nominee in the Republican Party is that, you know, everyone just rallied around him. They have rallied around him betraying the country and the documents. They rallied around him sexually assaulting a woman and getting convicted for it in New York. They've rallied around him on things that are so beyond uh, leading an insurrection, right? I mean, they've rallied around him among, by, about some of the worst things that any politician's ever done in the history of the country. And now what it seems like is the defining issue of MAGA isn't an issue like abortion or gay rights. It's defending the leader of the tribe. And the fact that everyone in the Republican Party rallied to Trump in the last few weeks Where's the space now to take him on, right? I mean, everyone just supported him. And so if you're an anti-Trump candidate, your lane, your space just evaporated because now the central mission of MAGA is to protect the leader of the tribe. It isn't something else. And that's, I think, what's happened over the last few weeks, which means that it's going to become very difficult, I think, for Trump to be beat in the primary. And certainly, I think if he is the nominee, we should be able to win the election next year.
0: Uh, Well, there are a lot of remaining issues. How does the White House handle this? What about the role of the vice president? What about um, uh, uh, some of the uh, other uh, campaigns that may go on simultaneously that will uh, uh, drive this? Uh, And I want to talk about those. But this is the moment in the podcast where we take a break. We say goodbye to the folks who are not members um, and uh, we try to encourage you to become members so you can get the bonus content that is the last third of the podcast. And it's very easy to do that. Just go to the dsrnetwork.com, click on membership, $5 a month. It's not so much. It supports what we're doing. The thousands of people who are doing it uh, and have been helping us uh, now to do this for the past six years uh, uh, have made a huge difference in what's possible. we now have to nine different podcasts a week on the DSR Network. Uh, and we've got more coming uh, starting in September. So uh, we, we we encourage you to do that. Uh, if you are a member, stand by. We'll be right back.